there's this TV show. You've probably seen it. It's about this rich, powerful family and all of its enemies, both within and without. There's betrayal, fighting, lust, violence, and dragons. That's right. It's Dallas. What's that you say? Game of Thrones. Oh, wait. Did I say dragons? I meant pickup trucks. Actually, you'd be surprised how much Game of Thrones has in common with Dallas, right down to its structure. We're going to talk about that, among other things, today. But first, here's our opening. We'll meet you on the other side. This is the Incredible Inman's Pop Culture Potluck. Welcome to the Incredible Inman's Pop Culture Potluck. My name is David Inman, and for over 30 years as the Incredible Inman, I wrote a nationally syndicated column about movie and TV trivia. I've also written several books on the subject, and I write material for Turner Classic Movies host Ben Mankiewicz. With this podcast, I hope to dig a little deeper into stories about people and events in movie and TV history. And in this first episode, we're going to look at the debt that shows like Game of Thrones... O to the granddaddy of TV family sagas. Premiering Sunday, April 2nd, Dallas, where money buys power and passion breeds conflict. Between the oldest son, his neglected wife, the ruthless yet gracious parents, the rebellious granddaughter, and the youngest son, who married the wrong woman, tearing the family apart, exposing the secrets they had hoped to hide forever. Larry Hagman, Victoria Principal, and Patrick Duffy star in Dallas, premiering Sunday, April 2nd. Dallas was originally a five-week miniseries, one that ended up running for 13 years. It replaced The Carol Burnett Show, which had signed off for good the week before. So instead of Burnett's TV family of Vicki Lawrence and Tim Conway, we got the Ewing family, who lived on a big ranch and ran a big oil company in a big building in a big city called Dallas. The central conflict was between the Ewing brothers, Bobby, played by Patrick Duffy, and J.R., played by Larry Hagman. The actors in the cast were familiar to TV audiences, but not superstars. Duffy's previous major credit had been a superhero show called Man from Atlantis, and Hagman was best known as the astronaut who kept Barbara Eden bottled up on I Dream of Jeannie. Barbara Belgettis, who played Ewing family matriarch Miss Ellie, was best known for movies like Vertigo and I Remember Mama. Jim Davis, as patriarch Jock Ewing, had had a long career in movie and TV westerns. At first, Dallas wasn't a runaway hit. It ended its first season in 44th place, but the show was renewed. In the fall of 1979, Dallas was moved to Saturday nights, where it was beaten in the ratings by Fantasy Island on ABC. But something was happening. People were intrigued by the show's amoral center, J.R. Ewing, played by Hagman. J.R. was an anti-hero in the mold of Don Draper, Walter White, Tony Soprano, or Tywin Lannister. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, always interesting. And the season-long plot lines of shows like Game of Thrones and just about every other hour-long drama on TV these days owe their existence to Dallas. 
Also on Game of Thrones, there's a place called King's Landing. And when Dallas spun off a series, what was it called? Uh Uh-huh, yeah, Knott's Landing. But the biggest innovation introduced by Dallas, or at least popularized in a way it never had been, was a little something called the seasoned finale. During its second season, Dallas was moved to Friday nights following the Dukes of Hazard, and Dallas started getting a bigger audience than the Dukes. It finished the season in 15th place. That second season finale was a cliffhanger involving Sue Ellen, JR's wife. She'd reached her limit of dealing with JR's bad behavior, and in an alcoholic haze, she was in a car accident that endangered her life as well as that of the baby she was carrying. In the final minutes of the episode, the baby is born as Sue Ellen clings to life and J.R. prays for her survival. Now, as cliffhangers go, that's a pretty good one. But the biggest one, the Mac Daddy of all seasoned finales forever and ever, amen, was yet to come. Season 3 began with Sue Ellen recovering and coming home to South Fork Ranch and the show's storyline began unfolding in lots of different directions. Baby John Ross is stolen and recovered. Sue Ellen's younger sister Kristen comes to town. Bobby's wife Pam is pregnant, but learns she may have a genetic disorder. J.R. is trying to pull off the biggest oil deal of his life, and without telling anyone, he mortgages South Fork Ranch, putting the family's finances in jeopardy. Miss Ellie finds a lump on her breast and has a mastectomy. J.R. and his father, Jock, are wounded by a sniper while hunting. Sue Ellen takes up with a guy named Dusty Farlow. She decides to divorce J.R., and he, in turn, starts a rumor that Sue Ellen is drinking again. Jock Ewing is tried for murder, but's cleared when Digger Barnes, Cliff Barnes' father, confesses to the crime on his deathbed. Dusty Farlow is supposedly killed in a plane crash, and Sue Ellen does start drinking again. J.R. pulls off his deal and then sells short, wiping out his business partners in the process. Okay, so it's not exactly the Red Wedding, but just stay with me here. This all led up to the final episode of the third season, where several people threatened the life of J.R., including wife Sue Ellen, Sue Ellen's sister Kristen, Bobby Ewing, longtime enemy Cliff Barnes, and Ramsey Bolton. Oh no, wait, not him. He's a Game of Thrones character. Everything leads up to J.R. working late at night in his office. He hears a noise outside, and before you can say white male privilege, he's filled with lead. The end. For the season, at least. Now, that episode aired in March, and for the next eight months, including the entire summer of 1980, America would wrestle with one big question. Who shot J.R.? It was on everyone's lips, or at least on their t-shirts, or bumper stickers, or tote bags, or postcards, or posters, or beer. If you were around at that time, there are some other things that you might remember about that summer. Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter were campaigning for the presidency. The Philadelphia Phillies were heading towards sweeping the World Series. David Letterman had a daytime talk show on NBC that flopped after just a few weeks. It was the summer of Caddyshack and The Shining. Mount St. Helens erupted. And one of the most popular songs on the radio was urging us to pay a visit to 
Dallas even got wrapped up in the presidential race. Republicans wore buttons saying a Democrat shot Jr. and Jimmy Carter joked about it in his campaign speeches. DJ Gary Burbank cut a novelty record about it. Why do the people all hate him so? Why they shot him, I'll never know. He's the star of the picture show, Jr. TV Guide tracked down a real J.R. Ewing who lived in Dallas and said his phone was ringing off the hook. About 20% of the calls are sincere but stupid, he said, and the rest are just bitter and nasty. Magazines and newspapers used it to boost circulation. Who shot J.R. on Dallas? I'll just bet Cliff Barnes did the dirty deed. When the smoke's clear, dear, you'll find that it was Vaughn Leland. Well, people list the ten most likely suspects, and Vaughn sounds very unlikely to me, Sherlock. People asked 11 Texas celebrities who'd done it, and one of them agreed with me. There's even this who shot J.R. poll. People's asking everybody to vote. Everybody who follows Dallas should treat themselves. Treat their family. To to this this week's people. And CNN, which had just come on the air that summer, flogged the story as well. Who shot J.R. captured America's imagination, but it began as a simple bargaining tactic. The producers of Dallas weren't sure if Larry Hagman would return to the show. He was holding out for a substantial salary increase. So the solution was simple. If a deal was reached, J.R. would live, and if it wasn't, he wouldn't. The guys peddling t-shirts with my face on them were probably doing better than I was, Hagman wrote in TV Guide. Even before J.R. got shot, I resolved to do something about it. J.R. may be the biggest TV merchandising gimmick since Davy Crockett's coonskin cap. While negotiations were going on, Hagman and his wife flew to London, where he appeared on a BBC special. Dallas was just as big a hit there as it was here. In fact, Dallas was a hit worldwide, and J.R.'s chuckle was just as distinctive in German. Dallas, gleich. By Kabel 1. <laughs> In Hollywood, the standoff continued. Dallas began shooting its fourth season on June 12th, but Hagman was still in England, getting measured for a likeness at Madame Tussaud's Wax Museum. At some point during his stay, Hagman actually met Queen Elizabeth, who asked him the same question everyone else was asking him. Who shot you? A few days later, Hagman's representatives reached an agreement with the show's producers. $100,000 an episode. That's roughly $300,000 an episode in 2017 money. Plus, a share of the Who Shot JR merchandising. Once Hagman went back to work, at least one question was answered. JR would survive being shot. But who did it? Oddsmakers were already pondering the situation. Dusty Farlow, Sue Ellen's lover, was the 6-4 to four favorite. Also in the running were Kristen, JR's mistress, at 4-1, to one, and JR's mother, Miss Ellie, at 25-1. to one. Now, the gap between the Dallas season finale and the first episode of the new season was unusually long, eight months, due to a writer's strike. But Dallas returned on November 7th, and two weeks later came the answer to all those t-shirts. In an episode watched by more than 76% of all American TV viewers, more people than had voted in the presidential election. So who shot JR? Kristen, Sue Ellen's sister and JR's mistress. She then announced that she was pregnant with JR's baby. 
Now, the episode where the shooter was revealed was, to that point, the highest-rated television episode in U.S. history, beating the longtime holder of that record, the 1967 finale of The Fugitive. Dallas finished the 1980-81 season in first place, and it stayed in the top five until the mid-1980s. Now, as if it became some sort of tradition, each season of Dallas would end with a cliffhanger, including J.R. unconscious in a fire at South Fork Ranch, the shooting of Bobby Ewing, the death of Bobby Ewing, the resurrection of Bobby Ewing, turns out it had all been a season-long dream, and the series finale, where J.R. supposedly committed suicide. But Hollywood characters never really die, especially when there's money involved. So when the TNT cable network revived Dallas in 2012, it was like J.R. never died. He was back, along with Bobby and Sue Ellen, and other characters who played the grown sons of J.R. and Bobby. Larry Hagman himself, however, passed away in late 2012, and the character of J.R. was finally laid to rest. Hagman always said he had no idea why J.R. was so popular. A part of it had to do with Hagman's own performance and the way J.R. reveled in his own wicked ways. Experiencing life vicariously through J.R. was safe, and it was fun. Maybe Gary Burbank put it best. Well, the real truth lies. One thing's for sure, we all love to despise J.R. The Incredible Inman's Pop Culture Potluck is written, edited, produced, and narrated by me, David Inman. I also clean up afterwards. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing to us on iTunes and rating us. Also, please visit the Incredible Inman Facebook page. And you can hear other podcast episodes at IncredibleInman.com. See you later.